0: Hi, this is Jesse Watkins, lead pastor of the friendliest church in Concord, North Carolina, Friendship Southern Baptist. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this resource. We hope that it blesses your life, and we hope that we can be a continued source of encouragement for your faith. God bless. I'm going to get right into it today because we've had a lot going on, but praise God. God has all glory in it, and I want you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. As you're doing that, I would like to remind everyone that next Sunday is our Choir Cantata. And I'm looking very forward to uh, just being able to sit and being blessed by the choir. And I know that they have been rehearsing a lot. I'm thankful for Judy and the work that the choir has put into it. So everyone be here next Sunday morning at 10 for our Choir Cantata. And also, I didn't mention this, but it's great to see uh, Pattendale Bass and also Mr. John Vermillion back in the house of the Lord today. Amen. We're so thankful that you guys are here worshiping with us. And so today my message title is this, There's No Room for Jesus. And I apologize to anyone who noticed that I didn't have notes in the bulletin today. This is one of those messages that I'm just going to have to flat out preach. And I didn't want the Lord to, uh, I didn't want to be confined to an outline today. So I'm just going to let the Spirit lead with this one. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And the Word of God says, It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the world should be registered. These census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed wife who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. My title today is, Do You Have Room for Jesus? And this message could not fit more perfectly with our theme of our series called Redeeming Christmas and what I've been talking about for the past several weeks is in Christmas time we're we're all concerned with the presents and the meals we have to prepare and the events that we have to go to and we're praying to God because our in-laws have to come over and we're just worried about all those things that sometimes we neglect having room for Jesus in the holiday which is supposed to surround the birth of a Savior, sometime it's the last thing we remember. We get busy with filling stockings and, and trimming trees and, and putting up decorations and, and baking uh, all sorts of things which we really don't need. <laughs> but do we have room for Jesus? And not just during the Christmas holidays, but this, also, this story also becomes a picture of our lives where everything else gets full and eventually Jesus gets pushed out. I want us to notice something that there are three reasons in this story why there was no room for Jesus. The first reason why there was no room is because everyone was content. You see everyone had traveled to Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Isn't fitting that the bread of life was born in the house of bread? What a beautiful story that God starts presenting. But all these people, all these people traveled to Bethlehem. I want you to think about Lowe's Motor Speedway during race time. People from miles around come and convene on that place. And you can't get the Concord Mills to save your life because the traffic's so bad. But people from everywhere came to Bethlehem where their family was based on to be taxed. Because there's always two things for sure in your life, death and taxes. And I'm thankful that Jesus came in the midst of tax time. (laughs) It means there's hope for the government. Amen. Jesus came in the middle of tax time. But see, everyone from all over came to Bethlehem. That means Bethlehem would have been filled with people. There would have been all kind of people staying in the inns and in people's houses and in relative houses. And I even researched that the name in in Greek for inn meant they would set up temporary dwelling places just to accommodate all the travelers. They would set up, uh, fabricate buildings out of lumber just to accommodate all the travelers that were coming in. So it could have been a a wealthy landowner that, that had a place out behind his house and allowed travelers to stay. But whatever reason, here you have a picture of a young pregnant girl coming and traveling all that way. And there's no room for Jesus You mean to tell me that out of all them people there, someone couldn't give up their room? You know why? Because people were content. Now, when you're traveling with a pregnant lady, the camel has to go a little bit slower than everyone else who was traveling. So that means a lot of other people got there first. That means most of the rooms were taken up by the time Mary and Joseph got there. So everyone else had their room. Oh, you ain't getting my room. No, I got here first. You and your baby can go find somewhere else. They had got their room first. You see what I'm saying? They were content. They had their belongings set up. They had their little room made up. Their children were over here. Here, I'm not moving. I've got my room. There was no room for Mary and Joseph. Everyone was content. Do you know that content, or I'm sorry, content is the spelled the same as content? You see, because they had all their stuff unpacked. They didn't want to become unsettled. How many times does all the stuff in our life make it to where we're content with our life? You see, sometimes all this stuff, the stuff—the DVR, and the Facebook, and the the, uh, uh, the the relationship, and the job, and the school, and all this all this stuff—gets in the way of Jesus. Come on, I need a little help this morning. Somebody ain't hearing me, that the stuff in your life is preventing the Savior from coming in. Because the stuff starts filling up a place that's reserved for the king. You see, in the innermost chambers of your heart is where Jesus desires to become in birth. But sometimes Jesus comes and knocks on the door, but you say, I don't have any room in here. Go find somewhere else. The place that was reserved for people, the inn, didn't have room for the king. See, all these things, things make us happy and satisfied. As long as the teenager gets his Xbox for Christmas, he's gonna be okay. I know of someone that stood in line just to get an Xbox controller. Stood in line for hours just to get a video game controller. And it's hard to get people to come to Sunday school. You see where I'm at? Things make us happy and satisfied, and then what happens? We get comfortable. People are always comfortable sitting like this. I'm comfortable, preacher. Don't ask me to go do anything. Don't ask me to go serve homeless people. Don't ask me to come rake the yard. I'm comfortable. You see, sometimes your comfort gets in the way of your character. For about 1,800 years, church pews didn't have pads in them. They were wood. Matter of fact, in middle evil Europe, you'd go to church and stand for three and four hours. They didn't have pews in the church. They thought people should stand to worship God. Can you imagine? You think I preach long. Go listen to some guy for three hours while you're standing up. You're going to be thankful. You're going to go preacher today. I'm so thankful God sent me you. Amen. (laughs) But see, it says that when they got to Bethlehem, we look. And in verse 6, it says, So while they were there, the time was fulfilled for the baby to be delivered. Now, when does it say they went to the manger? It doesn't say they went to the manger till verse 7. You see, it gets to Bethlehem. While they were there, the time came to be fulfilled for baby Jesus to be born. And then they laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You see, what I think is there may have been room in the inn... For Mary and Joseph. But when it came time to have a baby, uh uh-uh. No room for that crying baby. No room for that stinky, messy, dirty baby. Because this is an end. I got a hotel to run here. You're not going to bring your pregnancy and your delivery and disturb all my guests. They're comfortable. Don't disturb the guests because of your condition. You see, all the other guests were comfortable, so maybe if we just journey for a moment, maybe they came to Bethlehem and there was room for them, but now that the inn owner found out that you was fixing to have a baby and go in delivery and be screaming for about 12 hours, uh uh-uh, go out there. You see, men, I like the old days where men wasn't even allowed in the delivery room. You all remember them days? Now they put you a mask on and scrap you some gloves and say, Get in there, Captain. I think my wife was in labor for, I don't know, honey, 36 hours total. 24, 36 hours. I mean, I wouldn't want to be sleeping beside that person. I wouldn't want to be an inn beside a, a pregnant lady that was delivering a baby. You wouldn't get no sleep at all. I've just traveled on the back of a camel for miles and miles, and now you want me to sleep besides this? Give me a comfortable room. Take that pregnant lady, put her out and where the animals are. You see, it says there was no room for them in the inn... There was more than one inn in Bethlehem. People were traveling from all around. So there was more than one inn. So what I take the scripture to say is the inn which they first stayed at when they got to Bethlehem was now not available during the pregnancy. Well, if you're going to be messy and dirty, you're going to mess the inn up. There's going to be just, just baby stuff everywhere and babies are nasty. Just go out with the animals. So she laid Jesus in a manger. Because there was no room for Jesus in the end, is really what it's saying. Oh, oh, sure, you're pregnant. That's so cute. Come on, stay here. But once Jesus comes along, no, go to the manger. You see, the reality is, there was room for them, but no room for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus will shake things up. Jesus will take you from comfortable to desperate. Jesus will take you from being an entertainer to being a worshiper. Jesus takes you out of your comfort zone and makes something happen. And I think this, that whoever owned a manger must have owned animals. Whoever owned the animals must have been wealthy enough to own a house. So it was most likely the inn owner that said, go ahead and go to the manger. You see, whoever owns a manger is a wealthy person because they own livestock. So that means they were wealthy enough to own a house and own things and own stuff, but says, here, you can take my barn. I said this Wednesday night, people said, was you, you born in a barn? No, but Jesus was. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, I would like to be like Jesus, you know. But it was most likely the inn owner that said, go to the manger. But see, everyone was content. So the first reason there was no room for Jesus, everyone was content. The second reason there was no room for Jesus is there was no room because a baby would be dirty. You see, most churches are like a manger, or I'm sorry, are like an innkeeper. Most churches want to clean Jesus, not the dirty Jesus that eats with sinners and tax collectors. Is this the truth? Most churches want to clean and sanitize Jesus with with blonde highlighted hair and blue eyes. They want a Jesus that looks like us, not a Jesus that looks like a Middle Easterner that has dark brown hair, that has brown skin because he's from the same area of Arabia and the Middle East where Middle Eastern people come through today. We want to make a Jesus that fits our schedule and fits what we look like, not the Jesus that said, go into all the world. We don't want the dirty Jesus that said, take the last seat at the table, not the first seat. We don't want a dirty Jesus that says, if you want to be first in the kingdom, serve all. Most churches want a clean Jesus. Most churches want to sanitize Jesus where you don't have to wake up in the middle of the night. But do you understand that in that situation with the inn, that the only people who would have been disturbed would be the ones who were sleeping? Sometimes the church members, the only church members that get disturbed are the ones who are sleeping. Because they're comfortable. Several months ago, Tyler and I were on a cruise ship with Bella. Evidently, she didn't like the accommodation, so she would be up at 11, 12 at night crying. Well, one night it was 11 and 12 at night crying. Somebody next door to us starts banging on our wall. I just start banging back. You come take care of her then if you want her to be quiet. Next night she was up, 12 o'clock, She was crying. I don't like it just as much as you don't like it. I'm sorry to disturb you. Next time, go on a more expensive cruise ship. <laughs> they won't have babies on that one. But you see, but once we fell asleep after Bella went to bed at 12 a.m., then they would wake us up in the morning because we were trying to sleep in. They turned their TV on. I get up at 7 in the morning and start banging on the wall. ha, <laughs> ha, but people don't want to be disturbed when they're comfortable. You see, the innkeeper didn't want his guests to be disturbed. So he said, go to the animals. Isn't it amazing that the king of the universe wasn't born among royalty. He wasn't born among his inheritance. He wasn't even born among the relatives in Bethlehem. He was born among filth. Did you know Jesus will come straight into your filth as a human being? Jesus will come right where you are. It doesn't matter how dirty your life is. doesn't matter how best up. Jesus says, I was born in a barn. I can live in you. Jesus will come in filth. He wasn't clean and sanitized. You see, on a cruise ship, or even in situations, even in hotels, babies don't bring in money, but they do bring in joy. See, a baby might be tough to work with, and... Make you lose sleep at night, but there's nothing that'll make you as happy as a little baby. Someone told me the other day that whenever Bella and Bailey run down the aisle to come to the black pot, that's just a highlight of their whole Sunday. And it's such is because children are so pure and so innocent. Well, for a little while. But anyway, <laughs> but brave babies will bring in joy. You see, a baby may not be the most lucrative thing, but it is one of the most joyful things. There was a lady that told me last weekend, I was sharing with her about the church I was a part of in Greensboro. Now, we had all, all just loads of teenagers worshiping Jesus. She said, you know what? All those teenagers weren't bringing in the money. Oh, really? But I did see them bring in the worship. I have seen young people that would gather together every night of the week for prayer meeting when adults wouldn't show up. And you may say, well, you know, ministering to young people it's not, doesn't have an ROI, return on investment. But guess what? Those young people grow up and get married and have babies. And babies start growing a children's ministry. And young people start growing a college ministry. And college ministry starts growing a, a young married ministry. So if you want to go and grow a church, one of the ways to do it is focused on young people. Because the statistics say that 9 out of 10 teenagers in high school will leave Christianity by the time they get to college. I'm trying to, I'm trying to reach that 9 out of 10. Because the majority of us, we're already grown up. We're already in church. We don't need to reach ourselves. We need to reach the ones that don't have Jesus yet. You see, there was no room because a baby would be, would be dirty. Proverbs 14, 4 says this. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But from the strength of an ox comes an abundant harvest. You see, if you want a clean crib, or did I say that backward? <laughs> Do you run a clean crib? Well, then don't have any oxen in it. But listen to me. If you want a harvest, sometimes you got to bring a dirty old ox up in that manger. Sometimes you got to bring a dirty old ox up in that barn. And I know you say, well, our church is nice and comfortable. Well, listen to me. When God starts sending people, He's going to send people you might not like. He might send homosexuals. He might send drug addicts. He might send people that... uh, uh, been in prison and all kind of people that don't fit our normal mentality of what a Christian should look like. But God can save even the dirtiest of people. And what I've seen most of the time is the dirtiest of people become the most avid worshipers of God. Because God cleaned them up so much. So there was no room because everyone was content. And there was no room because a baby would be dirty. And lastly, there was no room in the inn because they didn't know who the baby was. Oh, you are going to have a baby? You can go to the manger. You didn't know who the baby was. This might be a little baby right now, but that baby is going to grow up to be king. That whole baby that swaddles the ocean with blackness at night was wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger. But see, Christmas is not about the little baby. Because little babies are born every day. Christmas was about who that baby became. He didn't become just a nice guy or he didn't become just a good example. He became a ferocious savior who fights for the salvation of humanity. It wasn't about just a nice, pretty baby. It was about a man that went inside the temple and he got so mad at people that was perverting his house, he threw over those tables. That baby grew up into a fighter for the kingdom of God. I remember a story of a man who goes to a Scottish village and he asked a villager, he says... Have any great men ever been born here? That man says, nope, only babies. (laughs) See, it has nothing to do with the baby, but it's who that baby became. There was no room because they didn't know who the baby was. You know what they didn't know? They didn't know who his daddy was. Hold on a second. I wish I had a broom because I'm about to clean me a place off and preach right here. They didn't know who his daddy was. You know, maybe one day there's a young man who, whose father is the governor and, and, and governor of North Carolina, he gets pulled over by a state trooper. The guy pulls him over and the, rolls his window down, the guy comes up, and the young man says, "Do you know who my daddy is?" "No, sir. My daddy writes your paycheck, so you might want to let me on." You see, having a daddy in high places can get you places in life. You see what I mean? Next time someone tries to tell you that you're not worth nothing, you tell them this. Do you know who my daddy is? Next time somebody tells you that you ain't going to do anything for the kingdom of God, or next time the devil tells you that you can't do anything for, for to grow this church, you just look at that devil and says, you don't know who my daddy is. See, if someone ever treats you bad, just tell them you must not know who my daddy is. If someone doesn't have room for Jesus in their life, it's because they don't know he is king. And there's people. I even talked to a guy, a guy that was here at church Wednesday. And he said, you know what, for years and years and years, I said, well, I'll become a Christian one day. Well, I'll get right with God one day. And whenever you have that version of Jesus in your mind, you don't know who Jesus is. Jesus isn't an insurance policy so that when you need him, you can call on him. Jesus has to be Lord of everything or Lord of nothing. You don't know yet that Jesus is king. I wonder if that innkeeper says, I'm sorry there's not a place for your baby, but there would be room for that baby if you knew what he grew up to be. See, if you knew that this was the savior of the earth, you'd let him in right now. There's some people who delay becoming a Christian because they want to know if they need to make their mind up yet or not. If you knew who the king was, you'd let him in right now. Jesus didn't need to keep the manger. Mary and Joseph didn't need to keep the manger. He just needed to borrow it. And I want you to know something today. That whenever Jesus borrows something, He will show you He had a greater purpose when He gives it back. You see, Jesus, Jesus didn't need to keep the, the, the manger. He just wanted to borrow it. And that landowner, whoever thought he was doing a good deed, Oh, I'll let you borrow my manger for your baby. He had no idea. That that landowner was allowing someone to give birth to the king. You say, well, preacher, what do I have that Jesus needs to borrow? Well, he needs to borrow your time. He needs to borrow your money. He needs to borrow your spiritual gifts to build his kingdom. And I've never seen anyone who's donated money to the Lord that Jesus hasn't given it right back. Some of the most blessed people, some of the most financially blessed people I know in Christianity are the most givers because they've said, I can never outgive the Lord. You see, anything you give God, you, you don't lose it. You only give it to Him so He can multiply it and give it back to you. When you give God your time, you're not losing it. He's only going to multiply it and give you more time back. John Wesley used to say, I have so much to do today that I must spend the first three hours in prayer. You might think I don't have enough time to pray, but really you don't have uh, the ability to afford not to pray in the day. You see, Jesus borrowed a manger and gave it back. Jesus grew up. He borrowed a donkey and gave it back. Jesus even borrowed a cross and gave it back. And then he borrowed a tomb and he gave it right back. See, he didn't need to keep the tomb. All he said is, let me borrow it, and I'm going to show you I have a greater purpose for it. Whatever it is in your life that you're contemplating give to Jesus, he'll give it right back. Maybe what you're contemplating is about giving yourself to him. Maybe you've not become a member of this church because you don't really know about the vision that this church is going. Maybe you've been praying about... You know, fully tithing. And tithing means 10%. It doesn't just mean giving something. I want you to know today that whatever you give Jesus, He gives it right back. This morning, this is my simple invitation. 2,000 years ago, there were some wealthy people that didn't have room for the king. I want to ask you personally a question this morning. Do you have room for Jesus? I want you to realize that Jesus doesn't care about your comfort. He cares about your character. I want you to realize that what you think is a clean dream of your life is not as impressive as what God can do with you if you turn it over to Him. And lastly, I want you to know today that if you're contemplating becoming a Christian, that Jesus is King. He already owns everything we see. We might as well say, Jesus, you own me. I'm your child. I'm going to ask our musician to come forward today. And I'm going to give this simple invitation. Three decisions you can make. If you want to walk up this morning and you want to say, Preacher, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to become a Christian. I want to make him my king. I'm going to be waiting for you down front. Secondly, if you're ready to join this church and say, I'm going to become a member of Friendship Southern Baptist. Come. Give your life to this vision of what God's doing here. And lastly, if you've never been baptized... But you know you need to commit to the Lord in public baptism. I want you to come. I'm going to have a word of prayer. And then we're going to have our invitation. Father God, I'm just praying right now for each person that's here today. Whatever decision they need to make. You are Lord of it all. God, I pray that in this Christmas season, that all the stuff doesn't get in the way of just having a relationship with you. God, may our contentment not get in the way of you. May our uh, clean version of our life not get in the way with you. And finally, God, may we understand that you are king and that we need to be in your kingdom. God, I pray for those people who are making decisions this morning that you'll send them down front, that the Holy Spirit will work right now upon their life, and that you would receive the glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.